You're listening to Gruesome and Unnatural, a true crime podcast. Another episode of Gruesome and Unnatural. I'm Shelly. And I'm Eric. And this is episode seven. Yes. Back at it for another episode. So what kind of case you got today? So this is the death of Katie Palmer. Um, another one where someone reached out to me on Instagram. Uh, I believe it's the woman that maybe runs the Instagram for um, Justice for Katie Palmer. And... I read into this story, and it is absolutely infuriating. So, yeah, here we are today to do this episode to get justice for her and her family. Right on. Let's check it out. Tell me what you got. All right. So, Katie was born May 3rd, 1981, which would have made her 38 years old at the time of her death. And she was just weeks, uh, it was just weeks before her 39th birthday when she passed away. Katie was a science teacher at Scott Middle School in Denison, Texas. She was truly loved by all that she worked with, as well as her students. She met John Palmer at Austin College, and the two got married, and the couple had two children, Brandon and Bella. On the morning of Tuesday, April 21st, 2020, Katie and her husband John decided they wanted to go for a walk in their neighborhood. They were walking along Glenwood Drive in Grayson County, headed east, going against traffic. And about 15 minutes into their walk, they were both struck from behind by a Ford F-250 truck. That's a big truck. Seriously. Katie was thrown 75 feet, and John was thrown about uh, 70 feet from where they were hit. Katie was hit in the head so hard that some of her hair was actually left on the roof of the truck. John had injuries to his arms and had a broken back, and he couldn't walk. And he stated that he had to crawl over to his wife as she was gasping for air. Katie was flown to Plano Hospital, where she, was, where she had actually passed away the next morning on April 22nd. Her cause of death was ruled blunt force injuries. John was taken by ambulance to Texoma Medical Center, where he was treated for his injuries and was released a few days later. Um, I just wanted to state that, you know, Katie and John were doing the right thing, you know. Like, they were going against traffic. They weren't, you know. Somebody shouldn't have hit them from yeah, behind. Yeah, like, you're going against traffic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, how are they hit from behind? So they were doing the right thing. The driver of the truck was Corey Foster, who was a neighbor of Katie and John's. Corey was headed east when his truck veered to the wrong side of the road, resulting in him hitting both of them from behind. He had placed a call seconds prior to hitting Katie and John, and John even stated that Corey got out of his truck, phone in hand, and even recognized him and stated that he didn't know it was them walking along the road. Isn't that weird? What a weird statement to say after you get out of the truck of hitting somebody. Like, oh, I didn't realize it was you. So since I didn't know you, I'm taking off. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he didn't take off. Oh. But it's just like, like, what? Like, why would you say that? <laughs> like, you hit a person. Who cares who it is? Yeah. It's so weird. Uh, Corey ended the call that he had started prior before hitting the couple, and he proceeded to call 911. Trooper Tariff Al-Khatib arrived on scene at about 7.55 a.m., approaching Corey, asking him what had occurred. Corey said that he was leaving his house, and he could not really see, but he still, pull still pulled out of his driveway, attempting to clear his uh, windshield. 
He came over the hill and the sun was shining in his face with a combination of the foggy weather, making it hard for him to see out of his window. And that's when he struck Katie and John. Corey also stated that he thought that he had initially hit a telephone pole. That's insane. <laughs> Mind you, this is 0.3 miles from his house. How fast was he going? Um, I'm going to get to that. Okay. I'm going to well, get to that. Sorry for jumping the gun. No, it's all good. I'm going to get to that. Because if you feel like you're so. going to hit a telephone pole. Right. But you hit a person. I mean, you got to go going kind of fast. Seriously. And for that kind of impact to think that you hit, like, that's unbelievable. Um, so, yeah, this is just seconds after leaving his house. It's also stated in the documents in this case over and over again how Corey even admitted that he should not have been driving and that he should have waited. In the reports, it states, quote, Foster was negligent by continuing to drive down the road when he realized that he couldn't see anything through his windshield. With the weather conditions being foggy, as well as the rising sun glaring through the fog, along with the windshield being covered in condensation, I believe a prudent person should have stopped to clear the windshield before continuing down the road. Taking these factors into consideration and knowing that Foster continued blindly down the road, regardless of what he was approaching or what had been approaching him, I believe shows a clear negligence on his part. This negligence eventually led to the death of Katie Palmer and in the injury of her husband, John Palmer, unquote. So this is just like, it's crazy. So Corey's driving down this road. He has a phone in his hand, right? The other one's potentially clearing the windshield. So it's like, no wonder he veered off the road. You know, it's like, how is he driving? How is he steering his truck? Yeah. He was like, both of his hands are full. It's unbelievable. Um, Corey even stated to the troopers that he should have waited, you know, like I think I said before, and he should have uh, waited so he could properly clean, clean his windshield so he can continue on. Trooper Al-Khatib stated, quote, the driver, Corey Foster, had the odor of an alcohol beverage coming from his breath when he was speaking to me, unquote. And Corey did admit to drinking, but it was from the night before. And he told the trooper, Al-Khatib, that he stopped between drinking between 7 and 9 p.m. And that he had nothing to drink all of anything that day. What time was this at? This is at 7.55 when the trooper arrived on scene. 7.55 so, a.m.? Yeah. So I'm assuming maybe, what, 15 minutes prior to that, he, uh, they had started their walk and everything. So, Yeah. So this is 7.55 in the morning that he showed, that the trooper showed on scene, and he said that he stopped drinking between 7 and 9. There's another report that he stopped drinking at 8 p.m. You're drinking, like, whiskey or something, but it's, like, you s still, ha like, smell like alcohol. You stopped drinking at 8 p.m. This is, what, 12 hours? And you still smell like it? Your breath smells like it? I, I call bullshit. I think that's so ridiculous. I, I think he was drinking that morning. That's my opinion, but I don't know. Well, if a cop would see what would happen, like what happened, they get hit from behind while they're walking the opposite way of direction. And he smelled alcohol and you hit pedestrians right there should be a red flag. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's why this makes it so infuriating in this case. Um, but they they did conduct a field sobriety test and he passed blowing a point zero six. And there was an instance, an instant on the body cam video where the officer had him hold up one leg. And I believe they had a, he had a count to 30 and he did fine on one leg. And then he held the other leg up and he stumbled at about 27 seconds. And on the camera or on this uh, body cam footage, he blames it on the unevenness of his shoes. So 
they both chuckle a little bit and Trooper Al-Khatib started some started saying something about how he took that into factor while doing the test that his shoes were uneven. Unbelievable. Um, and they never took a blood test, you know, to potentially see if maybe he had drugs in his system, not just smelling like alcohol, you know. So like you were saying about the speed, the speed limit was 30 miles per hour. But it was reported by how far the couple had flown after impact that Corey must have been driving anywhere from 33 to 43 miles per hour. So, I mean, that's over the speed limit <laughs> and veering to the other side of the road. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, Corey also stated that he was only driving 15 miles per hour in the reports, which is so ridiculous. It's absolutely not true. It was also stated that there were no tire marks in the road, meaning that Corey did not slam on his brakes and that he just kind of came to a stop after he hit them. So no urgency to stop, really, it seems like. Um, also in the reports, it stated that, quote, based upon the, the totality of evidence that Corey Foster drove with due care, he illegally drove to the wrong side of the roadway and he was traveling over the posted speed limit at the time of the crash. Although Mr. Foster was not legally intoxicated and passed field sobriety tests at the crash scene, I cannot eliminate the fact that he had been consuming alcohol and that could also have contributed to this result. The involved pedestrians did nothing illegal or contributory in this crash, unquote. And according to justiceforkatiepalmer.com, it says, quote, Corey has a long history of citations and arrests for driving under the influence of alcohol, speeding, reckless driving, fling arrest, and much more. And this wow. is like a total of 20 years. That was on his record. See, I was like, like <laughs> in my head trying to play the devil's advocate just for a little bit. Like, okay, he's not going too crazy over the speed limit. He did pass, pass a field sobriety test and he blew 0. .06. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, well... But then when you brought up his history, that's super suspect. So yeah, they got to look at all these other things. That Absolutely. Yeah. It's like he's, he's been in trouble for alcohol, you know, in the um, being, you know, driving under the influence of alcohol, reckless driving, like fleeing arrest. Like how, what the hell? <laughs> like, um, so other body cam footage, you can hear Al-Khatib saying things like, quote, when I heard Glenwood, I was like, how the fuck do you hit someone on Glenwood? End quote. And he also states, quote, I, I can smell alcohol. I'm smelling it pretty strong coming from your breath today, unquote. After testing to see how much alcohol was still in his system, Al-Khatib said, quote, you must have drank a lot last night because it's still going up. Like when he did the test originally, I guess it was at a certain point. It just kept going up till, you know, it hit 0. 0.06. Al-Khatib later states to a trooper, uh, to Trooper Taylor, that is on the scene as well. Quote, I can't believe he was that high today. Unquote. He also states how Corey mentioned he stopped drinking around 8 p.m. last night. And Al-Khatib says that he wasn't buying it. So they know that. They, it feels like, obviously, like they've come across this guy before. They've had history with him. And so it's like, wow. He's drinking again. It's another day of him drinking. And I can't believe he's high, this high today. You know, it's like <laughs> unbelievable. Um. They did take his truck in for analysis, and Al-Khatib said at the end of the sobriety test and interviewing him and talking to him that he was free to go, and he could tell his mom that he, that she could drive him home, um, and that everything was okay, and that she didn't need to worry when John is in the hospital 
with a broken back trying to survive and Katie's clinging on to life. He's like, don't worry. Everything's fine. Your son's fine. And then, so Corey's mom didn't, for whatever reason, didn't drive Corey home. So Trooper Al-Khatib tells him that he'll drive him home. And in the body cam footage, they hop in the, in the truck and his camera shut off. So that was the end of that. This case was taken to court where the Grayson County District Attorney had stated that the grand jury listened for three hours of testimonies and deliberated for one hour before declining to indict Corey Foster for manslaughter or criminal negligence. In case you didn't know the meaning of manslaughter, according to these reports, it it says, uh, quote, a person commits an offense if he recklessly caused the death of an individual, unquote. And to me... I feel like Corey should have gotten manslaughter. He should have been charged with manslaughter. 100%. My opinion. I absolutely think that. Um, And then new body cam footage came out after the case went to court, which, again, in my opinion, it should have definitely been in court. They should have released this before they even went to court. Here's the clip of the body cam footage. It's from Trooper Al-Khatib, Taylor, and Hill. Yeah, dude, he's fucking... Because she was laying over there. I what side maybe, of the road were they on? That side? Or the side? He said, we were, he goes, we were going this way on this side of the road. And he just bowed from behind us. His driveway's right there where you can see that rock road coming onto the... Dude, he's got a big-ass house. What's what he doing? He works he's for medical. He sells medical equipment. There's a whole bunch of notepads in there for where he yeah. works. Hey, I'm going to warn you. I think she showered and... Uh, body spray this morning because that damn bag is just out. So you might want to put it in the very back or something. So they're all neighbors though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just moved out here not too long ago. But right when I walked, come up and I saw it was him, I was like, yeah, he's probably drunk. He said the same thing. He said that, he's he just said, that dude's always drunk. Hey, what time do you want to put down on the... So yeah, just listening to that, it was, it's so infuriating. It's unbelievable how these, you know, these troopers and how just everything was taken care of in this case and how they just, just on scene, it just, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's infuriating. I don't know what else to say to that. Um, so like I said before, like he, he had a broken back. His wife is clinging on to life in the hospital and they're like telling, they're like kind of laughing, chuckling and telling Corey that everything's fine. Telling his mom that everything is fine. Al-Khatib states that he knows of Corey, but in the footage, it shows, it's like, he knows where Corey lives. He, it also says in a part, uh, he goes up to, he's talking to someone and he goes, oh yeah, it's, uh, he works with, and to me, it sounds like Courtney, I could be totally wrong, but he says something. And in a, actually another podcast that I listened to, um, their wives, Al-Khatib's wife and Corey's wife actually had worked together. So he, it's like he knew him. He's like, it sounds like he's downplaying how much he knew Corey when this was all going on. Al-Khatib seemed, yeah, like I said, he seemed to downplay how much he really knew Corey uh, for the sake of the case almost. Brett Smith is the district attorney on the case. And John Palmer stated on Twitter, Twitter that Brett Smith, quote, won't budge an inch in this matter. If the Grayson County DA refuses to indict Corey Foster based upon all of the evidence provided, then it proves that reasons other than justice motivate his office, unquote. And I absolutely completely agree with that. And in my opinion, if this was Brett Smith's wife or daughter, 
I think he would be jumping on this in a second if it was his family. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm, you know, Corey Foster, he needs to be held, uh, held accountable for his actions for killing someone and severely injuring someone else. But he's just living a free life walking around. Unbelievable. So if they had given, you know, Corey a blood test, they may have found other sub substances in his system, potentially. But as of September 1st of 2021, a new law was passed in Texas that requires any driver who causes seriously bodily injury or kills a pedestrian to have their blood screened for drugs or alcohol. Definitely. So that's a good thing that they have that now. Just horrible that it wasn't available. I mean, they do that know. in crime scenes anyways. Like mm -hmm. if you're standing there and like someone dies in front of you murdered or it's suspicious, they're mm -hmm. going to try to take everyone's DNA sample anyways. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But in this case, I guess, yeah, I don't know if they just couldn't do it at the time. If it was, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't do it. But it sucks that it wasn't around at that time. But um, it's very, very good that it's around now for them, for Texas and everything. Uh, so Katie was an organ donor, and she was able to save seven people's lives. Wow. I know. It's amazing. And the Katie Palmer Project was founded by a group of firefighters in October of 2020 that helped families such as Katie's that are enduring hardship to set up Christmas lights on the, at their house. I thought that was so sweet. Um, so you can go to katiepalmerproject.com if you'd like to donate or help out. And uh, Katie was not only a daughter, but a wife, a mother, sister, cousin, a friend, and an educator. And she did not deserve what happened to her family, her or her family. So please share and follow Justice for Katie Palmer on Instagram. It's Justice for like the number four, Katie Palmer uh, on Instagram. And then Justice for Katie Palmer, regular four, F-O-R, on Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. And there are many podcasts that cover this case. Um, I recommend if you want more details on this, po uh, you know, on the story, uh, there's a podcast called Voices for Justice by Sarah Turney. And she does an in-depth look into the case. And she has an interview with John Palmer. It's very interesting. She goes really into it. Um, so I'm going to be posting pictures on my social media. Uh, you know, please rate, review, do all that fun stuff. I'd really appreciate it. We would really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, share this story so Katie, Katie and her family can get justice. And put Corey behind bars. Get some, you know, he need, something needs to happen. That's just unfair that he killed somebody. Took these children's mother away and he's just walking on this earth and i think i heard he's still even going bar to bar and everything just yeah. like unbelievable so um also just a little side note i i made a little email for if you guys want to give me case suggestions or anything really at gruesome and unnatural at gmail.com so yeah that's an infuriating story of the death of katie palmer pisses me off. I know. It's infuriating. So I'm going to continue to post this until there's justice for them and something happens with Corey. And yeah. So until the next episode, be aware and stay alert. <laughs>